You're listening to the Weekly Sermon Podcast from Liberty Family Church. For more information about our church, head to the website, libertyfamilychurch.net.au. Last week, I shared a message encouraging each and every one of us to make 2024 great by keeping in step with Holy Spirit and cultivating His fruits in our lives, walking not by our own strength or wisdom, but keeping in step, walking in step moment by moment from a place of intimacy with him. And today, I guess, because it's kind of like two New Year's, isn't it? It's like 31st was just before New Year's and now we're in the New Year. So I was like, I think I'm just going to do two New Year's messages because New Year's messages are great, aren't they? As I was prepping for today in the the week in the lead up to Christmas, actually, I was praying and and Holy Spirit said to me, he said, encourage my people to embrace Christian community in 2024. Simple as that. So that's what we're going to do. Not going to argue with the boss. So let's start by praying and devoting this time in God's word together. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we invite you right now. Come and speak to our hearts. Speak to our heads, Lord, but help us to not just let things that we hear, things that you reveal to us to just stick in our heads, but help them to sink deep down into our hearts. And Lord, that then they would take root and then they would do something in us so that we leave here changed and our lives start to shift and change to better align with the life that you want us to live in obedience to you, following you. So God, we pray today that you would do this work, that you would speak powerfully, and that we would be encouraged to do exactly what your heart desires for us to do, to embrace Christian community this year. And we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Who's committed to getting fit or losing some weight this year? Maybe gaining some? A few of us, maybe? Good on you. Well, maybe if, if, you, if that's your resolution, you might have done what a lot of people do this year. They go and buy one of those things that increasingly becomes useless as the year goes on, a gym membership. Has anyone done that? No, you don't have to be honest with that one. Well, if, if you have, you might have met with a trainer, they've assessed you, and they've developed what they, I think they call personalised fitness plans, a, a special routine for you to do to reach your unique goals. And now, if you've started on that and maybe early in the new year, you're only a few days in, you mightn't have necessarily seen the results yet, but surprise, surprise, when you work with a trainer and follow the plans that they put in place, their plans tend to work, don't they? Has anyone found that to be true? We might lose weight if we're trying to lose weight. We might gain muscle if we're trying to gain muscle. We, we might suddenly realise that Life's not over when we hit 40 because all of a sudden we've got all this energy again since we've started exercising and moving about. Now, here's the thing. If the gym is where we develop our physical fitness, then embracing Christian community is how we develop our spiritual fitness. Yeah? Tim, Tim Challies, he's a popular Christian blogger. He says this. He says, The church is God's gymnasium. As a Christian man or woman, you are running a race. And if you mean to run it well, 
You need training that will help you reach and maintain peak performance. It is in the local church that you encounter the trainers who instruct and guide you, that you follow the training regime God has worked out, planned out for you. It is here that you work out alongside peers who are training for their own race so you can be inspired by their labour and so you can motivate them in return. If you're going to run to win, you need to prioritise your church. Now, perhaps some of you are are listening today, maybe online or in here, and, and you're thinking, well, come on, Joel, what you talking about? What are you talking about? I can keep fit without going to a gym. I can be a Christian without regularly going to church and listening to someone like you waffling on. And I guess I would say two things to that. Number one, you're assuming that by church I mean a Sunday morning. Let's be clear. When Jesus talks about church and his love for the new covenant church, his idea of church is far more than a Sunday morning church gathering. The church in God's heart and God's ideal, is God's family of believers, God's family, a community of faith-filled brothers and sisters who wholeheartedly worship and serve Jesus in all that they do. The church is God's vehicle for discipleship, for encouragement, for mission, and so much more. When I speak of church, I'm almost never referencing our Sunday gathering, but rather I'm talking about a community of faith that operates and blesses and serves and loves seven days a week. Yeah? That's the first thing. Second thing, no question, you can feed your faith outside of a faith community, can't you? In 2024, we've got everything at our fingertips. We've got YouTube, we've got YouVersion Bible apps, we've got quality podcasts, we've got all sorts of great online teaching of the Christian faith from better communicators than I am that you can reach just online, often for free, anytime you want. But here's the thing with that. Our spiritual growth, our personal spiritual growth is not only for our benefit, but for the benefit of others. Yeah? Yeah? In fact, our personal spiritual growth will actually be hampered if we isolate ourselves from regular involvement with Christian community. Why? Because we're designed to be in community with one another. From the very beginning of time, we see that we were designed, human beings were designed by a relational God for relationship with him and relationship with other people. And we don't need to look too far in in Scripture or even from our own experience or maybe observations of other people we've known over the years to see what happens when we neglect gathering, when we neglect or when we distance ourselves from being a part of Christian community. Um, Kids, I need your help. We've got a picture up here. What's that? Not that one. Next one. No, not that. The fire. There's a fire there. Ah, it didn't make it. Okay, that's unfortunate. Okay, um, well, imagine, imagine you got a roaring fire. Can maybe come up here, have a look at what I got here. What are these? Do you know what these are? Don't touch them, you might get dirty. 
Ash, it's a coal. They are. For those maybe who are watching from home and can't see, I've got some coal here. Now, kids, why can I touch these right now? Why can I touch them, though? If they were part of a fire, but now they're not even hot and I can touch them, why can I do that? Because they're no fire. Because what I've done is I've actually taken them away from the fire, haven't I? And what happens when you take... I'll pick one up. I'll get dirty fingers. What happens when you take one of these away from the rest of the hot coals? What happens? It does. Little by little, it might start out red, but then before you know it, it slowly, slowly changes colour until eventually it's a bit of coal, a bit of charcoal, only good for drawing on your brother or sister. And I guess, kids, this is kind of like... This is kind of like what happens if we don't meet with other Christians. When we stay with other Christians, if we're thinking of the church like a fire, we stay on fire for Jesus. But when we remove ourselves and take ourselves away and don't, don't gather so regularly as part of a community, we eventually, eventually will actually go cold and we'll be not anywhere near as close to Jesus as we'd ideally like to and we won't be very useful for God's kingdom. Like a coal that stays warm for a while but eventually get cold when removed from the fire. None of us will stay on fire if we don't make gathering with God's people in a local church a priority. Here's what I'm saying, in short, basically. It's this. You were created by God to enjoy relationship with him You were created to enjoy relationship also with a diverse group of fellow believers in a local church context. That's God's heart for each one of us. The the imagery of a church as a body in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it's this this beautiful picture, and I'll, I'll read from verse 12. It says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews, Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honourable... We bestow the greater honour and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. You know, this passage, you can have a read of it yourself this week. But what it's getting at is we're all individuals, yeah. We're individuals. We're individual members, but God's heart is that we would be part of a collective body. The body functions beautifully. In fact, it functions as it was designed by a creative almighty God to function when 
all of us prioritise, when we play our part, when we embrace Christian community. And I love this. I love this about this passage. What does it highlight for us? That God's community is for everyone. You know, we, you read it, what does it talk about? The, the unpresentable parts are exalted. You know, maybe, maybe for, for some of us at one stage in our life, we felt a little bit that way. But no, 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 you're, you, you've got a place here. You're even. You're, you're one of, of the others. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter where you've been. You are valued. You have a place. You belong here, you know. And, um, yeah, everyone has a role to play in God's family, no matter our giftings, no matter what we have to offer. Think about this. How can any of us follow Jesus in living out the one another's if we're not in regular contact with others? You know, um, a pastor from Melbourne, he's the pastor of Cross and Crown, Adam Jung, he explains it like this. He says, depending on how you count it, there are between 50 and 60 one another passages in the New Testament. These include calls to love one another, welcome one another, be kind to one another. On one level, we owe these one another's to all Christians everywhere. After all, the Apostle Paul prays for believers in Colossae whom he has never personally met. And yet, in order to be fully expressed and enjoyed, all these one another's require a set of close and consistent relationships, a single church community. How can I forgive one another when there isn't even the relationship or opportunity to sin against one another? Or how can I bear another's burdens when I don't even know them, let alone if they are overtaken in any wrongdoing? Indeed, Paul's command to wait for one another is set in the context of the Corinthian church regularly and physically gathering to share in the Lord's Supper. The local church is the primary context where we live out the one another's of Scripture. It's so true. Isn't it? We were made for relationship with God and others, not to live life alone. And I'm going to go there this morning. I'll say it. A Christian life lived alone is not a Christian life at all. It's just not. You won't see that in Scripture. That's not God's heart for any believer to live a life alone. His heart is for you to live in community with other people who love him too. So, what does embracing Christian community actually look like? What, what examples can we look to from Scripture that will inspire and challenge us to embrace Christian community this year? Well, for me, I, I always look to Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47. I think it's a beautiful passage. It's a beautiful image of what a healthy Christian community looks like, how it functions, and dare I say how it could look like if all of us regularly gathered together and embraced Christian community. Let's read Acts chapter 2, 42 to 47. It says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favour with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. 
What do we see from this passage? Plenty, plenty of things, obviously, but I want to highlight four points for us today. Here's the first. A healthy Christian community is full of people who are passionately devoted. Acts 2, 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and the prayers. And then verse 46. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Do you see that? Devotion day by day in the temple, in, the, in their corporate space back in the day and in their homes, in their lives, joy, passion for the things of God. They were people who were devoted to gathering together. Just, just imagine with me for a moment, will you? What do you think our marriages would look like? What do you think our marriages would look like if we prioritise Christian community, gathering together, even weekly with other believers, learning from younger ones, benefiting from the wisdom and experiences of those who've walked the journey far longer than us? How much more effective do you think we might be as parents if we were to observe older parents and other parents as they encourage and disciple and raise their children to, to seek and know and love Jesus Christ too. Can you imagine the kind of beautiful kingdom fruit that we might see growing in the hearts and the lives of our children as we immerse them in a community of very different people to them in the local church context? A community of diverse people who can encourage them, who can support them, who can pray for them on the journey, just as we've committed to do so for Sophie and Jeremy? How would our own experience of mental health, our sense of loneliness or isolation, how do you think that might improve if we were to give ourselves regularly to gathering as the church this year? What, what quality of community and love and joy and togetherness would be seen not just here but all over Australia and all over the world if God's people were to commit themselves, were to embrace gathering as the church as often as they possibly could. You know, Marshall Segal, he's from Desiring God. He's right when he says this about the devotion that we see in Acts 2. He says... How many of our churches are marked by this kind of passionate devotion to God's word and one another? This was not just faithful attendance or reliable spiritual routine. It was relentless joy and love together. Amen. A healthy Christian community is full of people who are passionately devoted. Can I encourage you this year? Will you allow Holy Spirit to stir your heart in such a way that you passionately devote yourself to a local church community this year? If you're visiting with us, you don't have to come here. Go somewhere local and devote yourself to that community. Immerse yourself in that community. Contribute to that community. Receive from that community. Participate in that community. And if you're watching online or you're here and you're not yet a Christian, why not make 2024 the year where not only do you come to a place where you place your faith in Jesus Christ, but you also commit to his best for you, being in relationship, having a spiritual family to encourage and support 
and spur you on as you learn to walk with him. I guarantee if we do this, friends, 2024 will be a blessed year for you, but not only for you, it'll be a blessed year for all the people who benefit from your input too in that local faith community as well. All right, so here's the second. A healthy Christian community is full of people who have hearts that are gripped by the things of God. I love this. Reading Acts 2, 42 to 43, he writes, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. What happened? And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Do you see the fruit there? Do you see the fruit of this kind of living, this kind of encouragement, this kind of culture? Awe came upon every soul. And God blessed the hearts, blessed the desires of his people, and he moved in power. You know, there's something powerful about gathering regularly with other people of God who are passionate about the things of God, isn't it? I know for me, I've walked in here many times, and I haven't been feeling super uplifted and on fire. And yet, when I've been encouraged by someone, or I've seen the way someone's been really zoned in in worship, just lost in that moment with Jesus, that's encouraged me. That's caused me to to be uplifted a bit. It's caused me to maybe not wallow in self-pity or be so focused on what's going wrong in my own life, but I've been buoyed by that. You know, we place ourselves in an environment, in a local church, where we don't only hear the truth, but where we can be deeply moved by truth and seeing truth realised in people's lives as they hold on to God's promises and see him come through for them. How often are you encouraged by hearing the testimony of someone else? How often? Probably just about every time you come and gather in a home group or in, on a Sunday or in any other way that the church gathers throughout the week. Hearing how someone, how someone has seen God move in their life, someone you actually know, someone you actually love. Someone you're devoted to. For me, I can think of many, 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 over the journey, many, many, many life-altering experiences of that right here in this church for me, growing up. Absolutely. I can think of a handful right off the top of my head. What about you? Has this been your experience as well? Has your faith grown as you've heard of and seen miracles performed, things done out of the ordinary that cannot be explained by natural means, simply a move of God in someone's life. Have you been encouraged by that too? Friends, God's heart is that you, that all people, all people would benefit from being a part of a healthy Christian community. And a healthy Christian community is full of people whose hearts are gripped by the things of God and are passionately devoted to God and one another. All right. Here's the third. A healthy Christian community is full of people who are radically and sacrificially generous. Yeah? Look at how the members of the early church treated their earthly treasures. Acts chapter 2, 44 to 45 says, And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Wow. If there is ever a need for a return to a similar heartbeat, then it's right now in 2024, isn't it? I mean, we live in a selfish society. 
self-centered, look after number one, and don't worry about anyone else, and you can even hurt people on the way to the top. Like, that's the mantra of our day and age, really. It's clouded, like it's not as explicit as that, but if you boil it down, that's what's actually going on. And it's a society that tells us to build up, to take hold of, to, to pursue whatever treasures our hearts desire for primarily for our own use. Maybe to tuck it away for family as well in the future, but predominantly it's the look-after number one society. But, friends, a healthy Christian community is a community that does the exact opposite. It's a community that doesn't worry so much about number one. Sure, be wise, be a good steward, but it's more focused on service to other people, sharing what we have for the good of others, people who are radically and sacrificially generous, who ultimately, like Jesus, who have a heart like Jesus, who the Apostle Paul describes in 2 Corinthians 8, 9, he says, though Jesus was rich, he became poor for our sake, giving up everything for you and me. And obviously it's talking not about finances there, about giving up his life and everything, but, but the same kind of principle applies. Now, you might be saying, well, hang on, you can't read that and say that we need to sell everything we have and give all that we have to the poor. And I would say, no, I'm not saying that. And yet, what I'm saying is Holy Spirit might lead you to do something like that because he's led many people to do that in the past. What I'm suggesting, more than anything, is that we'd do well in 2024 if we allowed Holy Spirit to guide us in radical and sacrificial generosity. Yeah? That'll look different for each one of us. Some of us have lots of cash, others don't. Some of us have plenty of time on our hands and we can devote ourselves to things that others who don't have plenty of time on their hands could never do. But I think we'd be wise to be spirit-led and allow the Holy Spirit to lead us in that kind of generosity. You know, for me, I'll be honest here, sometimes, actually many times, I think I've been guilty of giving out of a place of relative wealth and convenience. Is anyone with me in that? You know, you might have what give or, or share what we have in a convenient way. We might need, meet needs and contribute, but not to the degree that it actually costs me anything. Yeah? We might support a sponsored child and contribute and meet needs in that way. We might make regular offerings to our local church and contribute and meet needs in that way. We might give tax-deductible gifts now and then throughout the year to, to support work of World Visions or other organisations. We might hear about a need of a brother or sister in our faith community and help out where we can. But often, maybe this is just me, maybe this is my heart that's inherently sick and evil, but I think we keep our giving to a convenient level, don't we? We give in such a way that we actually never go without, that it never actually hurts us to give, that we never actually need to sacrifice anything much at all. Does anyone agree with me? Yeah. What would it look like, friends? What would it look like if we were to devote ourselves this year to growing in radical and sacrificial generosity as led by the Holy Spirit? What would that look like? We might be led to limit our spending on eating out, perhaps, or eating in, getting takeaway from Matilda Bay or whatever your 
place of choice is up here. In order that, we will then be able to use those funds to support members of our community who maybe aren't as well off as us, maybe those who are doing it really tough. We might feel, be led by the Spirit to slash our holiday budget in order to reallocate those funds to meet the practical needs of others in our community. Or perhaps even fund an initiative in our community or in the broader community that will bless and encourage others. The options are endless, really, and, and I encourage you, don't hear any of these and say, oh, that's what I need to do. No, get with Holy Spirit and ask him what he wants of you, and he will guide you in what, he, what radical and sacrificial generosity looks like for you. Yeah. But let's grow as people in this year who are passionately devoted to God and each other, people whose hearts are gripped by the things of God and people who are radically and sacrificially generous. Okay, here's the final point. A healthy Christian community is full of people who are new believers. Now, this is a challenging one. This is a challenging one for the church in general. And let's be real. This is a challenging one for Liberty Family Church as well, isn't it? It is. In the New Testament church, we see believers being added daily. Verse 47b said, And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now, I'm not naive. Don't think I'm saying that because that happened then, it, it's going to happen now. I'm not saying that doesn't matter whether you think, well, that was a move of God back then. That's why they had new members every day or, or think, exactly right, that's what we should be seeing each and every day today. The principle remains true. The, the general principle remains true. A healthy Christian community is a growing Christian community. That's the truth that we need to take away from this. And this, I think this is a somewhat confronting truth, isn't it, to look at as the church and um, lots of churches are, are falling in numbers across the Western world. That's just the reality. Chat with any pastor and that's the truth in Australia and, and anywhere. But I think God's heart is always to see his church grow. Now, here's the thing, and I'm talking to Christians, people who follow Jesus now. If we are passionately devoted, if our hearts are gripped by the things of God, and if we grow as people who are radically and sacrificially generous, you know what's going to happen? We'll be the kind of people who can't help but share the good news with other people. It'll be, that, it'll be like an uncontrollable urge for us because we're people who are, who are on fire for Jesus. We're close with God. We're loving community and benefiting and growing in community with other people. And then we just can't help but see someone suffering and say, man, I want to introduce you to Jesus. Or come along. My, some friends and I are meeting for a Bible study. Would you like to join us? You know, like that kind of thing will naturally happen. In Matthew 28, 19 to 20, Jesus gave this commandment to his disciples, to the apostles. But this also extends to everyone who follows him to this day. Jesus says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Friends, this is the work that each and every one of us have the joy to participate in. And this is a great work that we'll actually long to participate in as we embrace Christian community this year. As Marshall Segal says, every Christian and every Christian community 
is called to win the lost and build into Christian maturity. God intends to make every genuine expression of true love, joy and worship contagious. Isn't that so true? Friends, good news is good news and good news is to be shared. It's for sharing. And a healthy Christian community is a beautifully attractive community, a people, a group who people actually want to belong to. It's not all about numbers when it comes to church. And it's not because there's also other important metrics which are harder to measure sometimes, like culture or the degrees of the one another's or or love for people, that kind of thing. But in a sense, it is about numbers too. Because what is God's heart? God's heart is for the one. He cares about the one. His heart longs to see that broken person that we know who lives down the street from us. He longs to see them transformed. He longs to see them encounter his love, to have their lives transformed by the power of his spirit living within them. That's his heart. He is patient, as 2 Peter 3, 9 says. He is patient with people and his heart longs that none would perish, but that all would be saved. That is God's heart. And friends, I'm so grateful that we are a healthy church community right now at the size we are. And yet, and yet, I know that God passionately wants this place to be filled to overflowing, not only with existing followers of his, but new followers of his with people who are lost, with the people who are broken and hurting, with people who come to him and find and experience healing and hope in community. And then in time, those people will grow and be discipled and contribute to this community too. Wouldn't that be something, friends? Wouldn't that be something? What would happen in Hillsville? What could happen in the Yarra Valley? What could happen beyond if every single one of us from whatever community of faith we are, background, or even if we're not following Jesus yet, what if you followed Jesus and played a part in this work too? What would happen if we invited Holy Spirit to grow us as people who are passionately devoted to God and to each other? What would happen if we allowed the Spirit to grip our hearts with the things of God? What would happen if we resisted the urge to be generous to the degree like I do so often where it's convenient for me, but actually just allowed the Spirit to lead us in radical and sacrificial generosity? What would it happen if we were people who played our role in seeing the lost found through friendship, through faithfulness, but not only that, also through sharing the good news with others. Friends, I know that if this was what we were to give ourselves to, and this is, this is a joy to give ourselves to this because God's heart is for all of us to play a part in this, wherever our church context is, wherever we find ourselves. And the good news is, just like with Gary and Ruth and any other parents who are in the, in the trenches of the parenting journey, It's not on us. It's not only on us. Holy Spirit wants to empower. Holy Spirit wants to guide. Holy Spirit wants to take us deeper in these things. So let's let's invite him to do that right now as we close. And let's pray and 
and invite God to help us to keep in step with Holy Spirit this year and embrace Christian community in 2024. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you so much for your heart for us. We thank you from the beginning of time. We, we see, we look back all the way back to Genesis. We see that your heart was to be in community with us. That is what your heart was. That is what your heart continues to be. And the way that you have so designed your church, God, is not about being a building, not about having flashy programs, not about having any things that maybe in years past we might associate with a church. It's not about spires. It's not about a building. It's about a people. It's about a people, a community, a people who are passionate about the things of God, people who have a heart for you and a heart for others. And so, God, this year, 2024, Lord, may this be the year where each and every one of us here, each and every one of us listening online, whether we're currently following you or yet to follow you, Lord, would this be the year where we step into and embrace Christian community? Lord, we we don't want to just be a part of a church because that's what we've done. We want to be a part of a church because that is where life is. We want to be a part of a church because that, Lord, is the place for us to grow, place for us to contribute, place for us to live out the Christian faith and go out from in the Christian faith to share your love with the people around us. So, God, would you do this work in us this year and may 2024 be a great year of blessing for you, God, would you be honoured? Would you be glorified as we go about our lives? Would it be a great year for us, Lord, as we give ourselves to community to with other people? And, Lord, would it also, would we see great fruit in terms of the benefit to others as we give ourselves to and embrace Christian community this year? We thank you, God, that ultimately your idea of church is of a family spiritual brothers and sisters, different different backgrounds, pretty well a ragamuffin bunch, people from all walks of life, and yet united and joined together by the common thread of faith in and love for Jesus. So God, would you do that here at Liberty Family Church? Would you do that at all the churches in the Yarra Valley, Lord? Would you do that at all the churches Australia-wide, God? And would you do that work? Would you continue to do that renewing, restoring work throughout all churches all over the globe? And we ask this, God, knowing that we're not asking and hoping like, maybe you want this, Lord. We know you want this. So would you do this for your glory and yours alone, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.